Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, for the 14th time, Brazil. I heard they're having an election. They're having an election. They're having the second part of a two-part election for the president of Brazil. What's that? The POB. yeah and i think that this one this one has been on on the radar i I feel like a lot of our listeners have probably heard about Mm -hmm. it's a big one this is uh same guy same as the old guy uh given that in both cases (laughs) (laughs) the two candidates are the president (laughs) (laughs) and it, it might it might remain that after the runoff both candidates are the president and nobody will decide who's actually the president Um, yes given the obvious widespread voter fraud as alleged Mm -hmm. by current president of brazil jair bolsonaro yes yeah but we're getting way ahead of ourselves we're getting way ahead of ourselves we're in brazil right Mm -hmm. always like to say a little bit about the country that we're in brazil population almost 220 million yeah also I normally say the countries which border the country that we're at, but (laughs) saying all the countries that border Brazil is a real test of South American geography knowledge because I think Brazil borders every single country in South America, but two. Do you know which two countries Brazil does not border in South America? I think you're deflecting a hard question to me so that you don't have to name all the countries in South America. You don't need to name French Guyana. Guyana, Venezuela, <laughs> Colombia, Peru, Bolivia, Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina, and Suriname. Okay, so you have two more to name that are not those. Does uh, Colombia and Chile? Ah, uh, no, I said Colombia, so you know that it shouldn't be oh, Colombia. But Chile is one yeah. of them. And Ecuador. Chile. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I guess Panama, if Panama is Panama is Central America, though, right? Yeah, I think technic. Yeah, I think it's Central America, but for all that that really means, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so we're in Brazil. Brazil, pretty enormous country with a whole bunch of stuff in it. Also, the world's largest hydroelectric plant. <laughs> yeah, did, wasn't that Lula? Lula da Silva. He did. I think his government did that. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like yeah. a bunch of renewable energy. 45% of their power is renewable in the country. They're seventh in the world at production of wind power and second in hydroelectric power. So that's cool. I'm glad we're opening with some like good climate news off the top because I think the rest is going to be pretty bad. Uh, okay. Well, that's up to you because you're the one that brings that up all the time. Look... <laughs> I, look, it it cannot be ignored. It is particularly important in this election, uh, so it's just hitting that we're we're gonna we're gonna have to touch on it. Okay, so so those are those are the fast facts of Brazil. Fast facts of the current election. There are we're in the the second round of presidential runoff election. So there's a bunch of presidential candidates uh, for this upcoming election or for this election in Brazil. The top. If one uh, candidate doesn't get over 50% of the vote in the first round, you go to a runoff where the top two duke it out mano a mano, uh, where you get one guy who was in jail, Lula, who was then released (laughs) from jail, and one guy who maybe should be in jail, Jair Bolsonaro, Mm -hmm. who I'm just remembering now, the last time we talked about Brazil, he got stabbed while he was campaigning, right? Yeah. Wow. 
That's wild. Okay, yeah. so so this so this is the state of affairs. <laughs> um, Lula was also president from 2003 until 2010. Um, he was then uh, there was some scandals. Uh, then he was jailed, but then the judge he was uh, who knows the judge was then appointed as secretary of something from Bolsonaro. Maybe he wasn't so impartial. Uh, then he gets acquitted uh, of everything and gets released from jail. He wanted to run in 2018 for president. Couldn't do that. But now, 2022, Lula's back, baby. And we're going, Local rights restored, yeah. <laughs> this is, I feel like this is like, this is, maybe it's just because they're like a previous president up against like a current president, but I feel like mm-hmm. this is like a title heavyweight bout going on in brazil right now between lula and bolsonaro deciding the future of this powerhouse of south america and breadbasket of the world yeah and and i think you know uh lula really thought he was he was about to get the that last punch in and it was going to be done um because it really he the polls were saying he was going to win first Mm. round which doesn't happen as lula said at the end of it he was like Look, they just—it's. I've never been able to win in one round. It's not the way it's supposed to. That's not the way I'm supposed to do it. They always want me to work a bit harder. I'm going to work harder. But uh, he got forty-eight percent, and uh, of of the the poll of the voting, and then which was in line with about what the polls were saying. But Bolsonaro yeah. really came out a lot better than expected, according to really outperformed the polls, um, and got about forty-three percent of the vote, which is really troubling uh, for certainly for the left. Uh, of the political spectrum in brazil i mean troubling for democracy <laughs> yes yeah so we could get into that like it, it, it can pretty easily be framed as a, a left or right thing but it is worth noting like so uh lula uh the two uh candidates below uh that each got about four percent so eight percent of the total vote have thrown their support behind lula um and i believe uh simone tibet who is uh, in a center-right party, so really doesn't necessarily align with Lula's uh, sort of socialist left bent um, in politics, uh, had said that uh, f- that she w- she has to support Lula for the love of Brazil, democracy, constitution, um, and she like was apologizing for the fact that she could not maintain her neutrality to her friends and supporters, I suppose, uh, because the stakes were too great in this election. So I think really framing like the ultimately this election in Brazil is 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 a question of like democracy versus authoritarianism right now. Has there ever been. So this is kind of, I guess, what a vice president would be back when the United States vice president was just the guy who came in second, which is wild. (laughs) 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 But has there ever been a country that has like a presidential council where you have to form a coalition of president of presidential candidates that got over 50% of the vote. Cause that'd be cool. Like a megazord yeah. president <laughs> made up, <laughs> made up of like two or three people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Find it's, if that it's, exists. it's an interesting idea. I don't think so. Cause I feel like governor is either like kind of a, like a, like a, a figurehead position mm-hmm. or it's like an all-powerful position in mm-hmm. most governance systems so so it doesn't really lend itself to the need for a, a council i suppose but they usually have like i'm pretty sure bolsonaro has like a or like the president has a cabinet which would probably be as close as yeah. you 
get to that, I guess. There should be a presidential council made up of a coalition of people. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so, so that it doesn't, so that you don't have, maybe that would make things go like happen faster. Cause you're like, if you got, if you make up two thirds of the vote that got you over 50%, then like you're president for 20 days of the month and I'm president for 10 <laughs> days of the month. And like, if you want your stuff passed, you got to like move quick. You got to get stuff. You got to get stuff rolling. You got to get done with it. Cause <laughs> it's like a, a, a new take on proportional representation that seems yeah. a lot more dysfunctional. Somehow. <laughs> Cause like if you have two presidents on council, it's like who, who gets to decide, right? If we're like at yeah. odds with each other, but if we're just, if one of us is just exactly president fully, but only for two thirds of the time, right. Hey, listen, political scientists out there, Take this idea. Let yeah. me know if it's good or not. Kaylee doesn't agree, but she yeah. is a geographer. She's not yeah. <laughs> a historian. Let's not talk about what degrees I actually have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so these are the two. It just so happens that we don't get a Megazord president, and instead we have to get one guy or woman, but in this case one guy uh, with over 50%. Of the vote to become president, um, unless Mr. Bolsonaro self coos himself and tries to remain president. Yeah, so that's the that's kind of the big, like the big thing that there's. So there's a lot of things, and we'll, maybe after we talk about this, we'll get into that. There, like, are there are major issues at stake in this election to be conversing over? But you know what? You know election... what? Let's talk about that first, because never mind okay. everything that Bolsonaro is saying. All this stuff. What are the actual issues that matter to the Brazilian people and for people listening at home to know about the Brazilian election? Yeah. So there. So the original, like the the what Lula has been running on is is the general sense that that uh, Bolsonaro has taken uh, Brazil down the down a dark a dark path with like massive increases in in poverty. Um, they were really severely hit by the coronavirus. I think over mm -hmm. uh, almost seven hundred thousand Brazilians died from coronavirus in in in, uh, in the last couple of years. Um, and then there's also the the issues of he's uh, the 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 uh, the issue that was in climate change. I was a whole uh, sort of hinting at is uh, massive deforestation of the Amazon. Um, they, the deforestation has risen by almost 50% under Bolsonaro's presidency, um, and, and, and that has resulted in huge fires. Almost a million hectares of Amazon has been burned in the last year. Um, there are several people who are saying, there, there are several sources I was reading who say that there's, it's not exaggerating to say that the fate of the Amazon rests in the outcome of the next election. Um, so that means there's also been extremely violent conflicts over land, um, and illegal invasions of indigenous territory, um, for the indigenous people of Brazil and record breaking numbers of the, of murders against indigenous, uh, indigenous people. So, and, and then I guess like the, the really big thing about the Amazon that was cited was that the Amazon now emits more carbon than it is absorbing as a result of the deforestation. So there's some really like harrowing uh, facts about this. And, and then, and then just like day-to-day -day life uh, for uh, Brazilians at the cost of living is at a crisis point. And Lula is somebody who is seen as having uh, done a lot to raise up 
lower and middle class Brazilians, uh, whereas Bolsonaro is seen as being somebody who has really uh, focused on privatization, um, uh, uh, cutting corporate taxes, um, and bringing religion uh, to a whole new level back into uh, uh politics in uh, Brazil. So there's like a lot of ways that he's, they're both offering very different directions uh, and that seem very urgent for a lot of Brazilians, but also clearly uh, there are an underrepresented amount of Brazilians in the polls that are feel very strongly that, that Bolsonaro does represent them. Yeah. Such as like some specifics is, um, Lula's $113 monthly cash voucher um, for poor families, um, social programs like that, net zero deforestation of the Amazon to completely um, stop that mm-hmm. crackdown on land grabs um, and uh, maintain the current level of mining and stuff. So, and on the other side, specific policies of Bolsonaro being um, and uh, opposing legal abortion uh, and mm-hmm. you know, the things that, the things that you would imagine, transgender, transgender education, uh, uh, opposition, um, stuff that, you know, I don't want to say doesn't matter because those things obviously do matter, but it's, it's really picking out stuff that makes people upset for some reason that yeah. has absolutely no impact on them. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. If you're somebody who follows a lot of American politics, you can sort of see, you know, a lot of the same playbook is is playing out here. A lot of very familiar talking points like pro-gun legislation. Yeah, like religion um, private and privatization of, of schools and healthcare and um, industry. Uh, all like real talking points. Uh, and I think you'll see lots of parallels to be discussed for sure. Mm-hmm. So before this, right, Lula was polling at almost 50% going into this yeah. runoff. I guess there's no way to really know, right? So far what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So it 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 is it's generally I think everybody would tip it in his favor. The point that his which being in the so his in Lula's favor to win ultimately. Um, but the, the the reason, so there was sort of like a lot of talk about how uh, the celebrations for Lula's win in the in the first round were really tempered, and and in some cases there were supporters who were crying because um, you know in in the house I think and like in both houses Bolsonaro will retain uh, control in terms of his uh, his party mm-hmm. um, in those settings. So even if Lula is tipped to win. Uh, the presidency that will really constrain uh, what he can do um, once he becomes president, as well as uh, mo- I think the governorship of Sao Paulo um, and and the current governors of the other two like wealthiest states are all supporters of uh, Bolsonaro. So in a lot of really like key ways, uh, even if Lula wins, it is still very uh, much. Uh, the country, like Bolsonaro will have left a mark and and won't be gone. Um, So not only has um, Bolsonaro left his mark on the other um, branches of government, right? But there's also these other 
um, large marks on this election that are coming forward, right? Like um, violence surrounding uh, voting and also electronic voting uh, and access, uh, voter suppression going on. Um, so what is kind of the, the quick summary, I guess, of what's happening around? Because we don't want to be so sad. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I can I can lift things necessarily. Um, but uh, so ultimately, uh, Brazil uses electronic voting machines and has a really long track, it, track record of using them without like any history of uh, uh, of uh, or evidence of them being unreliable or manipulated, but Bolsonaro without evidence has been sort of asserting that if he is to lose and particularly if he's to lose by a close margin, it is because they're being manipulated to favor all the leftist rivals that he has. He's also sort of said, or he has said that, uh, he, uh, he believes that, uh, leftists should be eradicated from public life and has really instigated um, quite violent statements that have meant that a lot of supporters feel quite strongly that if he isn't to win, uh, that that could res- mean that they need to uh, to challenge that result or uh, support Bolsonaro in key- in maintaining power. Um, I believe there's also been like I, I, a, a supporter of uh, Lula was murdered in a de- uh, over a debate over politics or over a disagreement over his political opinions with a supporter of uh, Bolsonaro um, in the last month or so. Um, So you really see that there is this edge that has been instigated uh, and uh, that, that is, it's unclear how it will come out in the wash, I guess, um, if the election should happen, which adds to that sort of tension of, if Lula had won and won the first round significantly, would that have been more successful? Um, it's it's or or been safer for Brazil, or will the second round, uh, you know, give him that final push over and and keep things stable, or will they sort of tip into into uh, chaos or trouble for for Brazilian democracy? Um, and it's like it's I think it's worth noting like there are 156 million registered voters in um, Brazil, and they have technically have compulsory voting. Um, so this is this is a big this is a big global election in terms of uh, of how many people are actively trying to participate in it. And with this much fear, what does that mean uh, for the outcomes, I guess? Mm-hmm. Like uh, within the last month, reading about um, the blind man wearing a Lula button who was then uh, beaten up by Bolsonaro supporters Um, and the guy in the bar that was stabbed when somebody came in and asked if he supported Lula. Um, but on the point of the electronic voting machines, uh, it seems so two things, the amount of paper that's still in place, um, around Mm -hmm. these elections is wild. Have you seen like the voting (laughs) lineups that are just like, like the floor is pamphlets? Oh really? Yeah, it's no, incredible. <laughs> there's like there's videos of these of these uh, long vote like lines to vote in the in the earlier round of this election, and it's like down this hallway, and the floor is just completely pan- like political campaign pamphlets, where because oh, wow. <laughs> it's all paper, but somehow like the voting is electronic because notably, 1989 when Lula was also uh, in an election, it took nine days for the results to be known. Um, so electronic yeah. voting, especially with this huge number of voters, obviously um, rapid um, and 
as is kind of the the new the new right playbook is just defy conventions that have existed yeah. and say that now <laughs> say that now they are they're negatively impacting you because because obviously you should get as as Bolsonaro said at least 60% of the vote and if i don't get at least 60% of the vote then it's because um there's something uh amiss yeah and i think like so and something that i thought we could bring up to sort of help direct our listeners to the previous episode we did um about uh the role of the US in this region and their historic like sense of global uh influence in in and particularly in south america um it is interesting to see like the international conversation around brazil and how much the us is is watching this um election for its outcomes uh there was apparently a conversation uh between the head of the cia and bolsonaro that was leaked where he william burns the head of the cia was asking the brazilian president to stop casting doubts on the election um and uh yeah so so there there is like a, a vested like effort to reach out to try and and monitor the stability of this additionally democrats in the house of representatives tried but didn't successfully uh pass a measure to suspend military aid to brazil if the army in brazil ends abandons neutrality in the election um there's and and it's like it's really an election that both candidates for U.S. issues, if you'd like dive into it, have their pros and their cons in their in in the minds of American interests. They're mm-hmm. really both candidates are really pulling on um what we think. I think is we were talking about it very historically in our last episode that we recorded, but in the question of communism and regional uh moves towards the left, Lula is is uh quite close. With Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, like politically, his he has historically been close to them, and is a big proponent of the BRICS nations, which would be India, Russia, China, South Africa, and Brazil, to try and challenge Western power. So that it, he is like naturally um, not necessarily going to fall into line with the American uh, geopolitical interests. Um, and, and Bolsonaro like has supported the U S in in, their embargo on Cuba and, uh, and, and, and tries to pitch himself as the like last shield against the spread of communism in Latin America. So, (laughs) but you know, he also went to see Vladimir Putin right before, uh, the war in Ukraine started. And he's really close with a lot of dictators like Viktor Orban, uh, or like authoritarian, figures like Victor Orban across the world so it's definitely it's an interesting chance to like pull back the lens and look at this election which can really be seen as just being within the context of Brazil but has like huge implications um and and vested interest that the Americans are trying to influence Mm -hmm. this is I think in the context of countries that we talk about right is that Mm -hmm. it seems like Brazil is kind of an interesting case where, I mean, 2020 USA aside, right? It's kind of Mm -hmm. the largest like democracy that exists that is also kind of teetering (laughs) on, on dictatorship at times. Uh, There seems like there's a lot more turmoil than other 
um, countries of similar population and uh, global power than Brazil. So Brazil is kind of like this very interesting case so that we can actually talk about, because a lot of countries that we talk about on the show end up being, you know, nothing is going to happen. We already know what's going to happen, you know, months before the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brazil is kind of an interesting case where stuff actually does happen and changes um, relatively rapidly. Like I think we've talked about the country three or four or five times in the last I don't know, six or seven years I've been doing this show. We probably talk about Brazil the most out of any country um, because yeah. it is politically interesting and there's things that happen and it matters. And it also has this kind of interesting level of power as a regional power, but also globally important with a large GDP. Uh, and also as such, as I mentioned earlier, breadbasket of the, of the world, really huge producer of food. Um, massive exporter exports fuel exports food has huge biodiversity um, plays a a large role in climate change globally so important important election to watch and especially because there's so much potential for actual change and democracy to happen there yeah no i I, yeah i read an interesting article where somebody quoted saying that uh somebody was quoted as saying the U.S. is a country that realizes like its elections are a big deal, um, and Brazil is the qu- country whose election is a big deal, but they don't quite realize it yet um, in the global context. And I don't know if that's necessarily true because we do keep having to touch on it, and maybe yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, it it is an interesting way to think about how how do we when do we know that a, an election is a big deal? Like how do we um, highlight what elections are important in the world? I think the barometer is whether or not probability politics chooses to talk about it yeah Uh, if your election is being spoken about on this show it means that we looked at the list of elections and it was happening around this date and we chose it (laughs) out of three or four others that we could decide to talk about Uh, (laughs) and and you know to be the top 30 you know 20 to 30 percent of elections that happen i think i think that's a pretty good pretty good barometer of whether or not uh your election is a big deal yeah, probably about politics, stamp of approval. You're getting only the most important elections here. <laughs> stamp of approval, Brazil. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Official. Uh, all right. Um, so that second round of voting is happening October 30th. Um, so you have another 24 days to just get piled deeper and deeper in pamphlets <laughs> um, in Brazil. Um, but really, hopefully, uh, things go smoothly no matter what the outcome is. Um, and there's uh, less political violence um, that happens uh, leading up to the election. But Kaylee, uh, yes. let's talk about other political violence by hearing what's going on with the Secretary General of the United Nations. Yeah. Okay, look, I did Google and I was trying to find something. And I was like, okay, the things that Gutierrez is dealing with. Well, it's unsurprisingly, it's we're either talking Russia or Iran, or climate change. And this time, I decided Russia. Okay. Uh, (laughs) um, So, yeah. uh, Antonio Gutierrez uh, had to... uh, There was, you know, uh, the meeting of the General Assembly uh, happens every fall, like a lot of UN meetings. So there was a lot of attention that I think Russia has called an emergency meeting um, of the uh, Security Council... Uh, as well. So there is like a lot of uh, movement happening at the UN right now. So Gutierrez is, of course, uh, being a part of those discussions. 
Um, and when it was sort of announced that Putin was going to hold referendums in, uh, in I believe, four regions of Ukraine, uh, Antonio Gutierrez uh, stepped up to say uh, what most of the world was also saying, the any decision to proceed with the annexation of Don... Okay, I'm going to try and say all these. Don, Donsk, Luansk, Kyrgyzstan and Zaporizhia, uh, regions of Ukraine, would have no legal value and deserves to be condemned. Uh, he also wanted to, and I, I think this is like what we do really have to think about is like the for it's it's obvious, but in in to, to, in some ways, but the referendum is being conducted during an active armed conflict in the area where the Russians are occupying uh, 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 the ruck, and it's outside of Ukraine's legal and constitutional framework. So this can uh, Antonio Gutierrez highlights this cannot be called a genuine expression of popular will um, under the. So I think that it's sort of an interesting like we're hearing a lot of like just generally condemning, but like really highlighting that like this could not possibly be a democratic process that takes into that allows for like the freedom of voting for the populations that were in these regions. Um, and I think you can sort of see that I'm sure many of you already heard like rush every region overwhelmingly back to joining Russia. Um, 93%. I think the lowest was 87% uh, uh, in, in one region. So, so it really like it, it is highly questionable as to the outcomes, but I think it does highlight uh, uh, sort of Gutierrez is at this point um, really serving as a, a mouthpiece uh, to, to try and, amplify the issues that this represents but also it really does bring into question like russia is still participating in the united nations um as an active member um what does that mean uh for the ability of international governance to like continue in in this in this setting and uh what does what influence does uh gutierrez condemnation have i guess Mm-hmm. which is something we're always thinking about here i imagine <laughs> yes but <laughs> the constant condemnation of antonio gutierrez yeah it's a good book title <laughs> he could probably write uh, just a book of every chapter is something he condemned the constant condemnation of antonio gutierrez that sounds like he's constantly being condemned which i get that he is at times being condemned but uh not, mostly he's not, condemning not constantly yeah I mean, yeah, there's not a lot really to say about about the sham referenda. I think as an expert on the political process, at probably about politics, we can give whatever the opposite of the stamp of approval is to yeah. the referenda, uh, the illegal uh, and non-democratic uh, referenda in um, what is rightfully Eastern Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. We could say the constant uh, condemnation of the guests of the hosts of private politics continues for yeah Russian movements. A hundred percent vote in this referendum. <laughs> <laughs> not not, but that that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's not a democratic process because some <laughs> some things can just have really high popular support that can happen. Um, but mm-hmm. not not in this case. So, okay, well, that is good news, I guess, that he's saying that. 
Um, but too bad to hear. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. bringing it up again, Kaylee. No, sorry. Yeah, I'll try. I'll, I'll go for the climate change next time. Right. All right. Listen, we're going to talk about space news. Um, yes. Space news being science news generally uh, and science news space being... Space news sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, every time I say space news, you just get scared and cower in the corner due to the constant condemnation of potential death <laughs> that awaits you in the vacuum of space. Well, you yeah. know. Um, I'm so, starting to think about trying space. <laughs> Make sure you have uh, a sober space guide with you for the entirety of, <laughs> of the trip. <laughs> try try space with uh, with loving friends around you. Um, so this week was the Nobel Prizes, um, and so I wanted to talk about the Nobel Prize in Chemistry that was announced. Um, which is really cool chemistry, uh, mostly because it's chemistry that I've actually done. Um, so I'm essentially more <laughs> or less adjacent um, to Nobel laureates Carolyn Bertozzi, Morton Meldel, and Barry Sharpless. <laughs> um, Barry Sharpless, notably, only the second person to have won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry two times. Wow. Um, he's really a super giant of. Uh, chemistry in the 21st century he also won in 2001 for chirally catalyzed oxidation reactions which you don't have to know what that is because um, that's okay. not as cool i guess i'm, I'm not okay I, I i'll withhold judgment on his 2001 prize <laughs> but his 2022 prize um with carolyn bertozzi and morton meldell on click chemistry and bioorthogonal chemistry is as a chemical biologist the coolest chemistry around <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, basically, the chemist the the prize that they got is for developing chemistry that actually works for once. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah, I so love that. Click chemistry. The idea of click chemistry is that it clicks together like Lego pieces or like a seatbelt, or it just tethers two things together, and you can imagine it as a little spring-loaded reaction that actually freaking works for once when you try to do chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> um so these click reactions that they developed basically have this kind of list of uh characteristics of these of these reactions um and they're all stuff that sounds really good at least to a chemist so they're modular which means you can put these little click handles on different types of molecules and then nice. the rest of the molecule normally doesn't impact them and then they just work still insensitive huh. to solvent parameters so Normally when you're doing a chemical reaction, the solvent that it's in, even though that's not the stuff reacting, matters a lot, which is annoying. Uh, they have high yields, insensitive towards oxygen and water, which is super useful for what Carolyn Bertozzi did, which is really make this work inside of cells, even it's so simple. Um, they're thermodynamically very favorable, so they happen rapidly. They're like just super fast super easy to do solvents don't mess it up air doesn't mess it up water doesn't mess it up they're uh normally have a high atom economy so they're efficient reactions so so they're they're greenish you know because you can use like simple solvents you can do them in water none of the atoms are wasted just super good chemistry read up the click chemistry if you're an aspiring chemist 
and you're frustrated being in chemistry labs and having things not working, <laughs> click reactions are there to save the day once you get to grad school when you can spend a little bit more money on your reagents than an undergrad lab. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a very satisfying uh, pro- uh, winner. Like they've they've done something that really impacted you specifically. Yeah, and like <laughs> I guess so, I guess you know these reactions have been around for about. 15-ish years probably um Mm -hmm. but they've really and i I guess this is the case for a lot of these prizes right typically there's stuff that has like really caught on and everybody actually uses like for example Mm. 2019 was lithium ion batteries uh which i'm sure you've heard of (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, oh yeah so but then there's there's some stuff like 2021 is organocatalysis which is uh co one of the co-winners was david mcmillan who i once had a 30-minute conversation with before he was a nobel laureate (laughs) nice (laughs) uh but but yeah like click reactions are just everybody does them they're actually super useful and then bioorthogonal chemistry which is really what carolyn bertozzi really worked on is like making these reactions happen so you can tether two molecules together inside of cells even like you can do it um uh in biology and an important thing is that they're orthogonal to other reactions so orthogonal means if you have like two lines right then you have mm-hmm. a perpendicular line or if you have a plane and you have a perpendicular line perpendicular to that plane it's orthogonal which means it doesn't interact with the rest of it is kind of how it's used in chemistry so okay. you can have these reactions these things that are like very favorable reactants but they don't react with any of the other molecules in your body except for this one specific other one that you put in so they're used in like can't like emerging cancer treatments great chemistry wow. anyway do, do you want to hear how I had heard about this? Sure. I didn't know anything about it, but uh, I think Caroline Bertozzi mm-hmm. was in... A, I, I follow Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And she was in a band with Tom Morello when they went to Harvard together. And then he <laughs> tweeted, like, congrats to her for being cool, I guess. So that was... That was I wanted to, like, say, like, I... I didn't. I started to read about it, but then I was like, I don't really understand. I'm sure Alex will tell me someday. Um, uh, but yeah, that that's. So they're even cooler, you know. Also, was in a band with Tom Morello from Rage yes. Against the Machine. <laughs> yes, during her undergraduate at Harvard, she was in a band called Board of Education, but instead of board, like B O A R D, it was B O R E D. Uh, so, hey, listen, if you guys are sitting out there and you're bored of your classes that you're taking, uh, just know that you could be a future Nobel laureate, too. Or you could be Tom Morello, yeah. which is also <laughs> cool. He's essentially won a Nobel Prize in rock and roll. Yeah, both <laughs> both good outcomes, really. Yeah. So just keep pushing. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what right. I'm telling myself. That is uh, this episode of Probably About Politics um, before you get bored of this education. Uh, Thank you for listening uh, and make sure to follow up with the second round of the presidential election happening in Brazil, where due to those efficient and trustworthy electronic voting machines, results will be known within 12 hours. Pretty speedy. We love you all. We love you. See you next time.